Hi folks and thanks for listening to this Tortoise Shack podcast. You know what I'm about to say but I need you to hear me out. The Tortoise Shack relies on you to pay it forward and keep the podcast free for everyone. So if you can spare the few quid, it's less than the price of a pint nowadays and it helps keep the mics on, lights on, pay the bills and keeps the conversations like the one you're about to listen to keep happening. There are thousands of you listening, we just need a few of you to join us at patreon.com forward slash tortoise shack. The link is at the top of the podcast you're listening to right now. Podcasting has become very corporatized. Most podcasts in Ireland are fitting into only two camps, and we're kind of an outlier. We've always been activists first and foremost, and we also believe this medium should be respected and not turned into some advertising hoarding for corporate interests. So if you like what we do, if you get something out of it, the easiest way to give something back is to click that link, give us the 30 seconds it takes to join us. It is the easiest bit of activism you can do. Thanks for the support. Thanks for listening. Thanks for liking, sharing. But please join us. That's enough rattling of the bucket for now. Enjoy the podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Echo Chamber podcast. Tony Groves isn't with us today. He has some stuff to sort out. So it's me, Martin McMahon, here today. And I'm joined by Care Champions. And from Care Champions, I have Margot and Magella. And Margot and Magella were protesting today or, or demonstrating today. And we'll come to that soon. And we, we'll come first. But if you don't mind, I'll come to Margot. Margot, you've actually went to Care Champions to get help. Um, you're, you yourself are a whistleblower. So can you, t- you know, kind of tell us what do, do Care Champions do for you? Sure. Hi, Martin. How are you? Thanks yeah, for no, having us on. No um, I'm Yeah, I'm a COVID whistleblower from the first wave. Um, I raised infection control concerns in a, in a detailed protected disclosure early um, in wave one. Um, in the hope that other nursing homes wouldn't make the same system failures and would learn quickly. Um, Now, Care Champions has been invaluable to me. Um, I have had pro bono um, legal advice also. Um, When the first wave um, happened in Mary's, uh, say Mary's Hospital was very badly affected. Um, More than 60% of our resident population um, were infected and 75% of staff. So so the virus was quite rampant. And sadly, um, many of our residents died during that time and in the months that followed. Um, Now, in Care Champions, I'm supporting Care Champions fully in that one of the, the five key asks is adult safeguarding laws, of which there are none in Ireland, believe it or not, today. Um, and a mandated policy for staff to raise concerns for mandatory reporting. Um, Ireland urgently needs adult safeguarding laws to ensure that all healthcare workers are mandated and trained um, and supported also to recognise and report cases of safeguarding abuse and neglect of people over 18 um, in the healthcare service in Ireland um, in a safe and effective manner. Um, while while we have a moral obligation as healthcare workers um, under duty of care, we're not legally mandated to report safeguarding incidences, believe it or not, um, and nothing will change until the law changes. Um, and that's what makes you actually a whistleblower on this, is that there is no legal support if you do come forward and you do say, look, there's something going wrong here. Yeah, so... Um, from like when myself and other staff were raising concerns initially that weren't addressed and um you, you know it 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 it, trans- it escalated to emails to senior staff which weren't addressed and 
you know, nobody nobody wants to be a whistleblower. Um, but from from the outset, um, the, these concerns needed to 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 be addressed. Um, and um, you know, whistleblowers, you know, we we face retaliation also from uh, from employers. Um, and I was I was pushed out of, of the HSE sadly, and um was was stopped from window visiting and had to fight for for window visits etc cetera, etc cetera. but you know there's um there's ample evidence um that that speaking out in the Irish healthcare service it, it's not a safe place to speak out and um uh um transparency ireland study has shown that 40% um in of workers in in the healthcare service in ireland are penalized after raising concerns so what uh, what what we're asking for is mandatory reporting policy um, where we can speak out in a safe and effective way, but also for management to be trained in dealing with um, a speak up incidents um, um, in which they're open to constructive criticism, you know, and, and where management um, shows some empathy and compassion also when dealing with people who speak out. Um, but um. Yeah, and and it, like there is an imbalance too, isn't there, between private and public? Like there, there is certainly a big imbalance. So yeah, so eighty percent of nursing homes in Ireland are private. Um, I worked in a public nursing home, um, and uh, you know, still I had difficulties in in speaking out and wouldn't have managed only for care champions and only for whistleblower aid in America, um, who had the Francis Hogan whistleblower. Um, John Ty was was fantastic support. Um, and my pro bono protected disclosure solicitor, then also um, Quiva Hahi, she's been outstanding and still is to this day. Um, there is a lack of support, as you as you well know yourself, for whistleblowers in Ireland. Um, and even uh, with remaining anonymous is very difficult. Um, you know, I, I reluctantly went public after three years waiting on the investigation report into my protected disclosure, um, which uh, two weeks after I went public, the HSC announced that they were publishing a summary report. Um, so the main report into, into the investigation was 500 pages. Um, 36 pages of a summary report were published which, to be honest, didn't address my main concerns at all and didn't carry any recommendations whatsoever for future learning. So I've no assurances that the same system failures in ter- with regards to infection control will not happen in the next pandemic. We had the Nursing Homes Expert Panel report in 21, which didn't address the concerns that I raised um, in terms of safeguarding incidents. Um, under acts of omission in ter- for infection control uh, policy breaches. And, um, you know, we want to be listened to for the upcoming public inquiry. For uh, And and if, if I can, the, the, the upcoming public inquiry, if I can come to Magella on that. Magella, what is the, the hope for care champions for this public inquiry? Um, thank you, Martin. Uh, care champions will only accept a human rights-led public inquiry, um, which gives a voice to surviving residents, um, bereaved families, 
and also one that will allow appropriate investigation that will lead to reform that what our families have gone through um, that no other family will go through. There are thousands upon thousands of families across this country who have been left fractured because of the experience of their loved one in the lead up to their death. Many don't know what happened. Many were not um, informed that their loved one was sick. Many were given uh, false information or incorrect information. We do know that 10,000 people were removed from a hospital without COVID testing and were put in nursing homes in wave one. And we just feel that, you know, um, when issues started to arise for our families, uh, we found that the system wasn't fit for purpose. So as Margot said, 80% of all uh, our older people who live in nursing homes live in the private sector. We also do not have um, a proper complaint system. So for example, you have the Office of the Confidential Recipient who will only take complaints from the HSC services. So therefore, 80% of people don't have that service to go to. HICWA does not deal with individual concerns because they only deal with the system failures or the, the organisation. And then you're left with the office of the ombudsman and he will only deal with, um, he will not deal with clinical uh, concerns or issues. So there's no place for people to go when they actually have a concern. So we found when we would ring safeguarding or we would, um, we would be reaching out to try and um, find support for people there was nowhere to go. A safeguarding social worker would have to ring a nursing home and ask their permission whether or not they could go in, and they could very easily say no. So we, um, uh, in the early days, you know, after wave one, um, we put together a submission to the Rockford Health Committee, and we were very disappointed, you know, with the, with the COVID committee that was put in place because there was no um, human rights voice on it, and there was no resident or patient voice. Uh, and not only that, they did not make one safeguarding recommendation. So we feel that the only way that the system can learn is to listen to our wonderful families who, within the midst of their own grief, do not want this to happen to anybody else. And they don't want to be treated, they don't want anybody else to be treated as they have been treated in their grief. So we believe that um, the inquiry must be judge-led, it must be human rights-based, and it cannot be, um, as our teacher recently said, where pieces of information cannot be provided to it, you know. If we really want true reform, we need full transparency. We need to know what happened. And I'm sure we did lots of things well, but what we didn't do well it needs, needs to be looked at. It, needs yeah. to, it can't be covered up. It needs to come out so that real lessons can be learned. And hopefully, you know, we are told another pandemic is coming. Uh, if we want to be prepared for it, right now we're not. There are no lessons. And human rights is something that seemed to be taken from people, in, particularly in nursing homes, at the beginning of the pandemic, but it still remains today. So when the rest of society started to open up, residents residents were still locked in and many spent many months on their own in their rooms uh, without essential services, without physiotherapy, therefore mobility was decreasing. And, and you know, that's continuing. Today, if there is an outbreak anywhere, 
Um, a nursing home has the right to close down visits and people are back at windows. Well, yet in November 2020, in Northern Ireland, they implemented a care partner scheme, which was um, from actually from summer 2020, uh, many places across Europe implemented. And that just allowed that families were seen as partners in care. Two members were two members of the family would be trained as appropriate in infection control, and they would be allowed to be in to support their loved one, no matter what COVID status was. They would be tested with staff, and this took pressure off the staff, and has been very much welcomed in Northern Ireland. But yes, we, here we, we are still with families at windows. And you've worked closely with other agencies and other groups. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, we were very lucky as our group developed and our group became very big very quickly. And we are not experts, we're family members. But we've been very lucky that we've had great support from organisations such as ISAW. Age Action have been very vocal on, on the human rights elements that were not supported. And in fact, that... Um, at our public day in January, we were um, delighted. We had Age Action speaking, we had ISAW speaking, um, and they have been wonderful. And you know, they have always been at the end of the phone if we needed support or advice or guidance. You know, by the type of um, group that we are, we never know who's going to be at the end of the phone or what the situation is, or if there's somebody at risk, or if we need urgent action to protect somebody. And it has just been, um, we've been hugely great. We are hugely grateful that we know that we do have an expert at the end of the phone who will freely give us their time. I have been known to ring um, a volunteer social worker very late at night and the phone will be answered. And whatever urgent advice or direction, be it to ring the guards or whatever other services it is, is always available to us. That's good. That's good. But what do you need now from the inquiry? If if the inquiry is led the way, way you would like it to be, what is it that you need? If I come to Margot on that one, what do you need from it? Um, thanks, Martin. Well, first of all, like um, I feel we haven't been heard. Like as a staff member that raised concerns, um, in the form of a protective disclosure, um that led to a, a three-year very long um, investigation that was eventually um, published in, in short in a summary. Um, I feel like um, the concerns that I raised weren't dealt with. And I think staff that did raise concerns, as well as, as the as families who, who have raised concerns, you, we need to be heard, um, you know, in a human rights-based uh, um, public inquiry um, Otherwise, real learning won't occur. Um, you know, you had the Professor Brady report recently, um, and and we had the the Nursing Homes Expert Panel report uh, two years ago, which didn't, as as Magellis pointed out, didn't um, co- uh, correspond with um, with families or staff voices. The people directly affected that were on the the front line that that experienced the the system failures because what we want is these um sufferings and on on you know unnecessary sufferings and 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 possibly deaths not to happen in the next pandemic you know families are you know bereaved and they're they're still broken and they they just all they want is for it not to happen to another family again 
And um, so sadly, um, the Minister of Health has has not met with us despite numerous calls. Um, the Taoiseach has refused to meet with us despite numerous calls. Um, we had a, a large demonstration outside the gates of Leinster House a couple of weeks ago, the late October, um, where families and, and staff alike um, spoke um, of, of, of their testimonies and, their, and their, the five asks. And... Um, you know, we don't feel heard and we don't feel listened to. And if there is going to be any true learning, um, we, we, we have to have our voices heard. We need to be part of um, the terms of reference. We, we need we need to be part of the planning process. Um, Are you getting any purchase with the opposition parties? Mm-hmm. Well, Sinn Féin have been very supportive. Um, uh We've met with David Cullinan and he's um he's been and um he's he's like you know committed to supporting us. Um Well that's that's at least progress, Marco. It is at least progress. But you're not asking for retribution for the past. You're just asking to learn from the lessons of the past so they're not repeated in the future. So why do you think yeah. So why do you think there's such an obstacle from the government? Is it that they just don't want to be seen to have made mistakes? I don't know what they're afraid of. Um, perhaps I maybe maybe they don't exactly. Um, I, I feel Minister of Health has already made up his mind and said, yeah, well, we did do things well. He's not acknowledging the the small area, which was nursing homes, which had the second highest death rate in the world. Believe it or not, that was an Irish report that came out this year um, that we had the second highest uh, death rate, second to Australia um, for residential care settings. And that's not being acknowledged and it needs to be acknowledged. And, you know, we need to look at how we managed our infection control practices um, who's re- who takes responsibility for them for the next pandemic um, but ultimately, the, the responsibility has to lie with the Minister for Health and the government of the day. I mean, it will be a different government the next pandemic. You know, th- there needs to be a blueprint of how to deal with this stuff. And this is basically what you're trying to get on the table, is a human rights-based blueprint for how to deal with with residential settings during a, a pandemic. I mean, that's it in a nutshell. And, and you're coming up against really kind of a brick wall with the government doesn't seem to make sense. Um, we've we've sent numerous requests for meetings that have been turned down. Majala might be able to fill you in. In in two twenty one, was it Majala? He did respond and said that he will get back in a number of weeks, but still waiting. No, no. no. Um, so we've had great support from the opposition. Mary Lou has met with uh, many families across the country. Um. Uh, David Cunningham has engaged with us quite a lot. Uh, parties like Gainty has been very vocal and has met with families. Um, and then there are numerous independent TDs who have given us great support. In 21, over the summer of 21, we brought an invite to um, TDs in every area and we met them on Zoom and we brought with us people who were impacted from that specific area um, and, you know, and staff or whatever. Um, in 2020, after the Delgan House, which would be very well known, after the awful tragedy that happened in Delgan, um, 
Minister Donnelly did meet with uh, with the families. Um, and I, I suppose it should be noted that, you know, that was around the time that, um, you know, the new the, the government hadn't been long uh, in place. And when uh, Minister Donnelly, before he became minister, within weeks, you could say, the record uh, would show that he was very vocal on uh, the failures that were occurring in nursing homes. And he was very vocal on them. He met with the families in Delgan and he promised them that he would come back in a few short weeks because families, um, while we're not looking for anybody's head on the plate, there are families who need to know what happened. They need to know, did their lo- was their loved one in pain? Did they know that they were loved? Who was there? Did anyone hold their hand? Closure. So Stephen Donnelly promised a process within a couple of weeks and he's never been heard of since. Okay, okay. What can the public do now to further the cause for care champions? I think the government needs, we've always remained with the door open. You know, we want to engage with government. We want, um, we want a true talent process for the bereaved families. Um, you know, like what they've done in other countries where everybody is given, every family who's, who is affected. You know, when one person died in a nursing home, it wasn't just uh, a set number. That, that could affect up to 20 families that have mm-hmm. been frozen in time. They need to know what happened. I think an important fact that people often don't think about is people who did not have COVID and who died were also uh, often denied medical treatment and care. And they had a similar lonely death that those who had COVID had or those in hospital. So we want a true time process. We want to sit down with them. We want um, to share with government the real impact that we lived through their policies. Um, we want to ensure that, you know, any medical expert can see a policy through their eyes, but they don't know what it's like to live that policy. And, you know, the government continuously issued guidelines and guidelines were no addition when 80 percent of the service was under the private sector who could, of their own um, choosing, put it in place or not. So, like, yeah. people were left, people were lucky if they got to a window to watch somebody die, and often that person would be on their own. Um, you know, some people, we need to know what happened, and we need to make sure it never, ever happens again, and that can only be done by actually listening to those who lived it. How can people get in touch with Care Champions? What, what routes they okay, have? So our email is carechampionsireland at gmail.com. Uh, we're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. Um, we're on Instagram. Um, you can send a message to any of those. Our phone number is 89 um, And unfortunately, people are still suffering with many of the same issues now as what they were in covid we're still supporting families now as what we were in the height of COVID in, in, in many ways. So if anybody is struggling with those sort of issues, we're always happy to help and support them if we can. Thanks, Margot. Thanks, Magella. Uh, Thank Margot, did you want to say something? Um, well, maybe I'll just throw in there as well. Um, like Magella was saying about the support, um, we're, we're hoping to start um, a face-to-face support group as well. But um, so... If anybody is interested, um, to message Care Champions and we'll inform them of the details then. As, That's uh, great, Margot. Yeah. That's great. Thank you very much. And I'll just, I suppose I'll finish up by saying we're Irish. We take death 
seriously and and it's something we do really really well and it's something we we pride ourselves on and we can't forget about this area we understand people in nursing homes are in vulnerable positions and that you know for a lot of people nursing home is the last stage of their life but that doesn't mean that we can't treat them with respect either so thank you both for coming on and thank you both for having this conversation thanks martin thank you tony and martin martin and tony speaking to interesting people only it's the echo chamber podcast subscribe now on